What happens when two bass road warriors spend quality time talking music and life with one of their peers? Bassist educator author David C. Gross and bassist and head honcho of KnowYourBassPlayer.com, Tom Semioli, trade eights with the legends of rock, jazz, funk, blues, folk, country, and more. Notes from an artist. Revealing conversations with the legends who've created the soundtrack of our lives. What happens? You're about to find out. It's another episode of Notes from an Artist. Well, once again, welcome to our listener for another thrilling episode of Notes from an Artist. I am Tom Semioli, and my co-host is David C. Gross. Say hello, David. Hello, David. I want to tell you, this is going to be a swell interview. The shtick factor is up in this episode because David gets to uh, use his comedic skills in this one. We are interviewing Steve Swell, who is a free jazz trombonist. And David, uh, you have such a repertoire of trombone joke that uh, it's impossible to leave out. We put a few of those trombone jokes in with with Steve, but there were two that I um, forgot about, which I think are really, really clever. All right, please. Steve, I hope you like this one. What is the difference between a trombonist and a kid in a playground? What's that? The kid can swing. And lastly, what is the difference between a frog crossing the road and a trombonist? What is that, David? Frogs going to a gig. Oh, psych. Ah. <laughs> Any hoot. Steve Swell is quite the accomplished uh, trombonist. He's a recording artist. He's a collaborator. He's also an educator. And he's also a poet. And we talk about all those things, uh, all those endeavors that he uh, has been involved in. And he's still active on the live scene and recording. So um, not often that you talk to trombone players. They're not often that you actually meet a trombone player. This is true. <laughs> but we found one for you. That's right. We will go anywhere and everywhere to get some sort of great musical commentary. And the uh, conversation you're about to hear with Steve is, is, is quite good. Touches on a lot of subjects. And he had the ability to put together a playlist for us and we've got about an hour and 10 hour and 20 minutes worth of great music everything from roswell rudd to grishan moncore the third a little bit of charlie parker and a bunch of steve swell so why don't we get started tom let's get started and for our audience member you could be listening to this on cygnus radio www.cygnusradio.com in real time or david they could be listening it listening to this interview on our podcast which is available on apple amazon Buzz, Sprout, and Spotify, wherever podcasts are potted. And David, for our audience member, after Steve Swell, you can listen to a whole bunch of other stuff on our podcast uh, platforms like Ron Carter and Bill Wyman of the Rolling Stones, Steve Hackett of Genesis, Richard Thompson, Ian Anderson of Jethro Tull. That was one of your personal favorites. We've got uh, Kevin Godley from 10CC, Bob Gruen, the great photographer, Hall of Famer, Lenny Kay talking about his new book. Uh, we also have Alan Paul, who just uh, did a wonderful biography of the Allman Brothers Band. Uh, he is one of our uh, guests on our podcast. So do check out our podcast. All the legends, David, Tony Levin, Jerry Jamat, Michael League, Mark Myers, ye gods. What are we doing now? I should be going home now well, and listening to our podcast. Thing, I'm really excited because we're doing something really, really special. I guess it'll be in a couple of weeks. We just read Elegant People. Yes, oh, folks, yeah. Tom and Dave can read. 
Yeah, I'm and Dave, we love reading books. And we just read a book about Weather Report by Kurt Bianchi. And what's going to be really exciting is this book is chock full of incredible information. And in our infinite wisdom, we've decided to cut this episode or episodes into four parts. So the first part's going to be the Miroslave. The second part's going to be Alfonso Johnson. Third part is the Jocko phase. And lastly, Victor Bailey. So for four weeks, we were going to get in-depth. This will start probably, now that I'm thinking about it, the first week of October. But before that, we've got the host and curator for Radio Classics on Sirius XM, Greg Bell. Oh, who else have we got, Tom? we got a bunch of great characters. We've got a bunch of great characters, and I'm not going to divulge their names yet, because I think we've dropped a lot of uh, name-dropping bombs on our audience member already. But do go to www.notesfromanartist.com to find out what we're up to. Do check in with the podcast. We have new podcasts going up every week. And incidentally, David mentions that Weather Report book, Elegant People. And the, we're doing the chapters based on the bass players, because as you know, David and I are bass players. So we divided the era according to the basis that uh, underpinned the greatest effing band in the world, David, Weather Report. And as you know, David and I have conflicting opinions on which is the true Weather Report, which is the superior true. Weather Tom's report. wrong. Uh, <laughs> and I, of course, <laughs> David, of course, is right, of course. But get <laughs> Right Even back. when I'm wrong, I'm right, Tom. Even when he's wrong, he's right. Okay, let's go on. Steve Swell, welcome to the show. Steven Swell is in the room. How are you, sir? Good. Whereabouts are you, Steve? Right now, I'm at home in uh, Union Square in Manhattan. Okay, so I'll oh, take the Q train, the 456 train goes there. All the low stop right there. All the low stops. I've been yeah. there many, many times. So welcome to Notes yeah. from an Artist, David. Our guest is Steve Swell. Yes, how are you? Yeah, good, how are you? <laughs> okay. good. Good. We've had our eye on you for some time uh oh. Uh oh. Please let's introduce Steve to our listener. According to Wikipedia, Steve Swell is a free jazz trombonist. Now, shouldn't that just be trombonist? Uh, yeah, I agree. Okay, because, I mean, you, you don't hear rock trombonist or country no. and western trombonist or techno no. trombonist. I don't, I don't, I've yet no. to hear those. So you would think trombonist, although classical trombonist, but again, as a trombonist, a jazz trombonist or a trombonist trombonist, you still probably studied classical music. You'd have to, yes? Uh, yeah, I did. I studied with Arnold Fromm, who was the founder of the uh, American Brass quintet, quartet, okay. and, more, and I did all the classical studies, but my focus was on jazz, all kinds of jazz, bebop, mm. swing, Dixieland, and uh, I fell in love with free jazz when I was about 15. But I've had experience in all, all the different genres, so it's what's called improvising. I did a lot of salsa bands when I first came to New York. One of my old friends who was in my band, Will Connell, may he rest in peace. Oh, yeah, yeah. Will, Will just, actually would I'm speak sure. about you when he was playing in the Oracleist. Oh, wow. And, wow. and, and wow. what was it? Yesterday we heard about Charles Gale and Richard Davis. Richard Davis. I yes. heard that. Oh, no. 93. I remember listening to him to a lot. And uh, he was in the Fat Jones by Lewis band. Mm-hmm. When I think I think that's when I first heard him. Charles, of course. Well, uh, David, get, continuing on Steve Swell, he's an educator. Uh, he's a recording and performing artist and a collaborator. He's also a poet. You're also a published poet. That's true. There that's you true. go. And you can, <laughs> he's been cited by Downbeat, the Jazz Journalist Association. You can read his poetry on steveswell.com. And Steve, you started out on clarinet. Your dad was a sax player. What made you gravitate to the trombone? Well, first of all, I couldn't play the clarinet. 
Okay. So that was a <laughs> that was a no go from there. And uh, this is what happens. This happens a lot. Uh, I was in school in New Jersey, fourth grade, and I wanted to play either the trumpet, the violin, or the clarinet. Three choices because my name. Last name is towards the end of the alphabet, and I guess uh, they didn't have any trombone players up to that point. They convinced me to, to play the trombone. That's how I ended up with it. Studied with two of my favorite trombonists, Roswell Rudd and Grishan Moncourt. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Grishan would be the sub for Roswell when Roswell couldn't make the... I would attended a free class. I knew about Roswell when I, since I was 15. When I moved to New York, when I was like around 20, uh, 1920, there was free classes on the Upper West Side, uh, Frank Ford. Foster had a class, Roswell had a class, and then Joe Newman would do a big band at the end of the uh, set uh, private or the group lessons, instrument lessons. And uh, so Roswell, that's where I, I first met Roswell in person. And then when Roswell couldn't do it, Gratian Moncure was the sub of those classes. I, I was into Evolution and Everywhere at, oh, yeah. at the beginning. Great records. Oh, yeah. I, I worked at oh. the Record Hunter right next to Carnegie Hall. Okay. So I yeah, had a yeah, chance yeah. when I was a kid. So I oh, had a wow. chance to get all these great uh, records and, and listen to them firsthand. And yep, uh, yep. it was a wonderful time. One of the interesting things about uh, Mr. Moncourt was he, and you could um, better speak to this, he sort of left the scene and went into teaching because there was not much happening at that particular period. That's what I was led to believe. Is that true? Couldn't tell you exactly. I, I know when a lot of people, because Roswell sort of disappeared from the scene, also, a lot of times, what and I have friends now who they say, "What happened to so and so?" I said, "Well, they're still playing. I play with." So it's not—I I can't tell you exactly what happened with Gratian, but he—he he, he did come back around more towards the end of his life. I like to say one interesting thing about Gratian that he gave me, which uh, I, I really love. When uh, Roswell couldn't make those classes, Gratian would be there, and uh, we would play like confirmation, you know, da 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 da. But he would have us play it in uh, alternate positions. Which, if you know what that is on the trombone, if you play confirmation, you're over here in second and third position, first position. But to play the alternate positions, you went out to like sixth, seventh, and fifth position, fourth position. You never came up more than fourth position. So your arm was all the way out. Now, that helps with not only ear training, but what I got from it was more of a full body sense when I play. I wasn't up here like this. I was like out here like this. I don't know if you can see what I... In other words, more of my body was involved with the playing. And I, that Correct. really opened up something for me. Well, it's great that you say that. Uh, we interviewed Larry Grenadier uh, probably last year. He had this <clears throat> leg lag where he would go up the neck a certain way and come back down another way, then go up another way. And it's really a great way to really teach somebody how to play, to know where you are at all times. Also, the guitar or bass, the second fret E on the D string, because it's a different size, sounds different than the same yes. note. That's right. 7th fret A string or 12th fret E string. So I would assume that that too would work with your timbre. And I want to talk about your timbre. We'll, we'll get into that in a minute. Where you start okay. banging on the thing. It's it's such cool stuff. <laughs> okay. That's when I'm really desperate. No, 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 I'm, just I'm, just, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. It's all serious. Well, yeah. trombone is not an instrument that, like the bass, David and I are both bass players, but don't hold that against us. <laughs> 
It is not an instrument that usually calls attention to itself. When I think of famous or notable, or I should say famous yeah. trombone players, well, there's Tommy Dorsey was a trombonist, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's what? J.J. Johnson, Kai Windig, Glenn Miller. There's this guy now, if you want to look at modern players, Troy Andrews, a.k.a. Trombone Shorty. Right. This is a good tagline. Uh, there's mm-hmm. Wycliffe Gordon, I guess. And I think there was somebody who collaborated mm-hmm. with Santana, but Natalie Cressman. Explain to us, I mean, David and I always uh, laud these supportive aesthetic of being a bass player and that the instrument and the personality go together. And and David, believe it or not, is a very supportive person (laughs) to me as I am to him. Do you think... What is the aesthetic? What is the, 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 the personality traits of a trombonist? Or, or are there any? One thing that I noticed over the years, because, uh, there's not a lot of love for the trombone in general. And bass players, you kind of like feel that a little bit, maybe. Sometimes, yes. All the love goes to the uh, saxophone player, the guitar (laughs) player, the drummer. Trombone player is a little off to the side. But what I noticed in the uh, community of trombone players worldwide, we all have each other's back. It's all very, very supportive, which which is really nice. And people are playing different genres, different styles, different personalities. So I haven't really come across a trombone player that was uh, nasty to me. Let me put it that way. (laughs) (laughs) There are so many great musician jokes. Obviously, you've probably heard all the trombone. Bone jokes as well. <laughs> bring it on, bring it on. How do you know you have a trombonist at your front door? Uh, I was delivering a pizza. Yeah. yeah How does, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, there's a part two to that. How does the trombonist make his car more aerodynamic? Uh, I don't know that one. He takes the domino sign oh. off the top. That's a that's a good one. I like that. I like that. And lastly, something from way way back. What do you call a trombonist with a beeper? Uh, I, I used to know that one. I don't know. An optimist. <laughs> Oh, and that's it. That's it. I was going to say that. Too. Beepers. David. <laughs> okay. It's so 1970s, David. Anyway, oh, thank you. But you know, when we talk about avant-garde and improvisatory <sighs> music and free jazz, <sighs> experimental music, all these genres, it's interesting when you look, let's say, for example, in the rock world or the pop, well, I will say the rock world, improvisatory experimental music has always been at the forefront. Look in the 60s, The Grateful Dead. And then later on, Fish 311, The Allman Brothers. We just interviewed his biographer, Carlos Santana. And then and you get into fusion with Miles, Weather Report, Return of Forever. They were the big commercially successful jazz fusion bands. Pat Metheny mm-hmm. a few years later than the Dixie Dregs. Now there's a band out of uh, London, Ezra Collective, which does improvisatory mm-hmm. music. So it seems like, whereas the mainstream will talk about improvisatory music as sort of the fringe, it's actually the other way around. Improvisatory music probably has a wider audience than pop music. It's just that improvisatory music is probably judged the way pop music is, which is record sales. And improvisatory music really is about being at the venue hearing live music. Thoughts, reflections on that? Well, that's a that's a whole can of worms. What you just described is the problem with the music industry, and I would say worldwide. America definitely has that. Mm. Um, wherever I go, I go to Poland, I go to uh, Michigan, I go to uh, Serbia. There's pockets of people who love this music and, and the, the part of improvisation music that I do or any improvisation. Right. And they're wide, they're wide, wide open. Not just me, what I do with a trio or a quintet. It's, it's somebody 
else who has a very different take on how to approach improvisation, like somebody like Matt Schiff or something. Right, they love sure. all, the, all the different aspects of it. And that keeps me working, for one thing. And also the uh, financial thing over in Europe is, 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 is not as good as it used to be, but it's still mm-hmm. better than what it is here. And uh, I get invited. Uh, I occasionally have an agent. I, I had an, We had an agent when I played with Peter Brosman for four years. And so she did all the work, which was great. And, and the money is, I mean, you know, I'm not buying a house anytime soon, but uh, you know, I, I, get, I get by and I live comfortably and mm-hmm. uh, we're, we're lucky that that's there. I mean, right. if you can get to that place where uh, you're known, I mean, there's just support groups, support audiences all, mm-hmm. over, the, all over the world. Yeah. And yeah it's I interesting when you think about how in one, the, 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 or in many of the European countries, they, they actually stipend artists to help them in their creative pursuit where here it's, you have a grant maybe, mm-hmm. and the rules and regulations getting a grant is you gotta, you know, jump over hoops and if you don't know someone you don't get the grant so it's really a a strange thing but one of the things that I wanted to talk about with you is you know there's there's so much that we can learn from books and from records truth be told concept is I think most important uh can you speak to that if you're I'm I'm hearing two things in there but uh yeah sure you can learn something from books and there's a lot of great books out there my thing is really even I do this when I teach I always have uh uh, students play no matter what I'm not going to talk to them for now if they brought their interest they're going to play and that's it the experiential thing is the ultimate thing where you develop uh what it is that I mean if you're searching for something or you hit on something and that inspires you to go in some kind of direction. Um, an example, um, I, you know, I was already into free music and I loved it, but I was doing a lot of salsa band and we were playing in a club. I don't remember the band. It was a very small club. And I remember improvising over a, like a, a bombo or something. I, I don't remember exactly what it was, but I was finding ways to go way out of the, uh, uh, core, uh the, the root of what the, 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 you know, what the, what the bass player was playing. And I found a way to go out there and play like on an A minor. I would just go to a, you know, an F sharp, but, but I would find my way back to the A minor. So that was very, uh, I really learned something from that. I remember it. I mean, that had to be like 1980 or something. And so only by doing it do you really advance in this, in this music or in any music for that matter. It's a matter of doing it. That's the main thing. And, uh, I don't know where we're at with that. I know during the seventies when I was running around New York doing all these different, uh, kinds of R&B, salsa, blues, I was getting a lot of experience in all these different genres. And, uh, and you, you take a little piece of that with you. Uh, bebop vocabulary. I mean, I don't play bebop tunes uh, on gigs anymore or any kind of sort of mainstream song, uh, but I still practice those. I, I still practice confirmation, like I was telling you, with the <laughs> alternate positions. And uh, I play groove and high, but I play that in regular positions. And, uh, you know, stuff like that, St. Thomas. And I just feel that keeps a certain amount of technical facility uh, for myself that I can go, when I am playing free, I could, I have sort of some basis some some root some uh, uh information that i could i could rely on to 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 figure something else new out i could be because when you're improvising you're and just improvising you know with no songs or anything it's very spontaneous and you're thinking very very fast so those yeah. tunes i think really helped me to with the spontaneity and the quickness and my technique and my sound well joe morris said something really great <clears throat> you can only play to what you know but if improvising live, you can learn something new in an instant. I I find that just a brilliant thought. 
Absolutely, absolutely. I, I, I think uh, uh, William Parker says says this a lot. Uh, you have all the before a gig. You have all the information you ever learned, you ever listened, you ever practiced up to that point, and then at that point, you just gotta let go and just trust that's all in there, and you go with because you have all the information. You can't, you know. And uh, with, with uh, so what did Joe say again? I'm sorry. Uh, that um, you only can play what you know. Oh yeah. That instant that you're on stage doing yeah, it, yeah, 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 learn something right. new in oh, an instant. Right? No, totally, totally. Uh, that and that that depends on. This is this is why I get a little uh, upset with some musicians. Somebody like Joe is very experienced. You have to be open to know that that's going to happen. Like I'll be playing and somebody does something, I'll react to it, or I'll do something and somebody reacts to it, and then you're into a whole new thing that maybe you never did before, which is really amazing. Yeah. Um, nine times out of ten, if I if I say, "Oh man, that felt that was really that was really amazing," nine times out of ten, I can't always remember what exactly what it was I did, which is okay, but it was done and it's there. And, and it also uh, means to- that you can do it again differently if, if you know exactly. what I mean exactly I was going to say you have to be open to that every time you play yeah you definitely have to right it's a mindset and it's interesting I, David and I did an improvisatory I think it was quartet was it David it was two bass hit David had his six string bass I had my four string bass the old school four string and yeah. it, we had to convince the other musicians like no you don't need a set list you guys you we've all been playing for 40 years just right, go right, there right. and and play what you know and I thought David and I thought that the two uh, other members of our quartet never sounded better because they just had the courage to reach back into their lifetime vocabulary. And it's interesting to see how many people uh, have the guts to go up there without a script. But and I maybe David will agree with me. You know, we don't always agree on everything. That I think improvisation is far easier than playing prepared music that you have to memorize to me. If you're open, uh, yes, you're absolutely yes. Right. Uh, And you know, uh, Steve, you were talking about learning confirmation. Uh, I was telling Tom yesterday, uh, I will never be called to play bass on a bebop gig when you play a six-string right. electric bass. Right, but right, right. I will tell you one thing. There's a tune in the uh, Charlie Parker Omnibook called Chi-Chi, which isn't really that well-known. It lays beautifully on the six-string bass. Okay. So I use that as a warm-up. But what I don't do is I don't read the solos. I don't want to do that. You know, one of the things about Jocko was uh, when he did do Donna Lee, he did it note for note. Technically um, masterful that was. Amazing. So, all right, well, well, what if you just had the chord changers? I'd be curious, Jocko, what you could do uh, with just the chord changers. I'm sure it would be magnificent. Well, what were you, what were you going to say, Steve, about the courage of, of getting on stage and improvising? Were you going to comment well, on? I, I, don't, I don't remember what I was going to say, but I could say that uh, courage only comes with, with uh, doing it and mm. taking the chance the first time out, like those two guys you played with. It was good. You encouraged them to do it, and they did it. And uh, I hope they were happy at the end. Oh, yeah, they were. They uh, didn't know they could do it. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. So that gives them, well, maybe I'll do this again, or, or maybe I'll go in another direction, right. or I'll stay with my direction, but expand. What, what I find with a lot of young mainstream players, because the avant-garde has been out there for, you know, 50, 60 years, that some of that information even has seeped into some, like, straight-ahead playing. Mm. I've heard, you know, and I can't tell you any names, but I say, oh, wow, that, that's really a little more outside than what I'm used to hearing when I hear, uh, you know, a, a guy from the 50s doing it. Sure. So it's uh, it's all usable. It's all good information. And it's uh, the courage comes, uh, the confidence comes with just doing it. And, and, you know, I mean, I still get uh, occasionally in certain situations, I get a little nervous, but I have a thing that I never get more nervous until right before I start to play, <laughs> you know. Where 
I used to worry about it all day. No, no, no. Just uh, I don't. Uh, just right before I play. Well, you, you, uh, and then you, we start playing, and it's gone. It's gone. What's the, what's to yeah. be afraid about? Right. You've been exactly, doing this your whole right. life. It's like walking. Right. It's like breathing. Um, exactly. Your teacher, you were, but you were hesitant to start teaching at first, weren't you? And then you came to love it. Man, you really did your homework. Yeah, I read. I don't, I don't, I don't even know where that information shows up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was uh, uh, teaching sporadically, right. getting invited every now and then. And then uh, a, a guitar player, a friend of mine, you may know this name, Paul Mash. He uh, passed mm-hmm. away a bunch of years ago. He did some soul note records. And I, he was really a mainstream guy. I really didn't know him, except that he had gotten this grant, and he was inviting people to uh, teach. And I needed money, and I was I had like a crummy day job, and I wanted to get out of that. So I was doing it for the money, basically. He got a grant. And the uh, specifics of the grant was that he had to uh, bring music to uh, uh, special needs children. So I did three different schools each semester, you know, fall and spring for five years. And I began when I first did it, I said, OK, good. And the money was pretty good. I said, All right, this is great. This is great. I'm going to get out of proofreading and this is fantastic. But I fell in love with it. And uh, a lot of it had to do with the, the kids, the type of kids. We were all different kids on the spe- spectrum. There's, a, there's a, a school district in New York called District 75, which yes. isn't not, Special you know, needs. right, right. And it's not a specific place. It's it, District 75 is all, in all different schools that have a right. component of uh, special needs kids. And it's all all types of kids. Social behaviors, uh, uh, autism, all of that. So that's really why I, I sort of I fell in love with it. I mean, mm. I got so much back from it, and uh, and it was great giving and and, and seeing results. And uh, you know, we went to uh, we had uh, uh, like workshops to teach us different things up at uh, Columbia, and uh, I got a little, lot of information that way. And it, it was just marvelous. Yeah, it's a true. What do you What do you learn from your students? Uh Patience. This is going to sound like I grew up in the seventies, but love. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, it's it's important. It's not a cliche. And sometimes I get because I also teach. Mostly, I teach mainstream students. I have had a couple of special needs along the way right. uh, last year. Just reminders of certain things. Remind myself to do long tones, you know, because that's important. Uh, being really accurate with uh, whatever my uh, technical uh, practice I'm doing, um, and you know, just paying attention, you know, mm-hmm. being aware, paying attention to I what I'm doing. I have a company yeah. called Empower Through Music. For the last 23 years, we've been bringing music into the New York City schools. I've heard of, I've heard of you guys. Yeah. yeah. And the the big thing that I find I learn is that mm-hmm. you become a better player mm-hmm. because by having to articulate exactly what you want the kids to do. Right. You can sometimes go, hey, maybe I should do it a little different way. And and you begin right, to see right, 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 that right. Or, right. Or, or maybe you're doing your whatever you're doing, a scale or an exercise or something, and you really just you do the same thing every day, and you're really not paying attention to it. And it gets a little, now I don't want to say sloppy, but you, you go back to it and say, oh, wait a minute, let me make this a little bit, clean it up a little bit more and get back to what the, the basics of it, you know, so it's. It's, it's, I'm just not running through something and not getting anything from it. Well, Steve, when you talk about long tones, it's kind of yeah. difficult to do long terms when you're plugged into an amplifier. So <laughs> on, on an electric bass. So David, what I the, well, is, there's a will, there's a way. Yes. I turn my amp off. <laughs> and what I do is I hold the note for how long that note will sustain 
without any form of amplification. And it really changes when you plug back in. It's an interesting thing. Uh, Well, you're you're listening more to it also. You're getting inside the sound of it, you know. And the difference between playing a fretted instrument versus a fretless instrument, you also have that quality of sound. Mm -hmm. Very interesting stuff. Yeah. Now, your students, did they, now we, we all came from the world of LPs. Um, your students, they come from the streaming world, yes? Or no? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, Cause man. you were, you, oh, <laughs> you heard Roswell on an Archie Shep record and that got you started. Um, right. now we have, we have access to, all every almost all the music that's ever been recorded. What are your thoughts about uh, streaming music now? Obviously, there's the financial aspect of it. Artists don't get paid to make records uh-huh. anymore. I won't even say anything about that. But uh, <laughs> as as far as uh, actually, I'm listening to more music now at right. any time of the day or night than I probably was when I was younger. Right. But I would go, and you guys probably had the same experience. You saved your money a little bit. You went to the record store. You bought one or two LPs. Right. You lived, you lived with that for you like a to. week or two, mm-hmm. right? And then you saved your money again, and you, you bought something else. And I, I, both you guys grew up in New York. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I don't even remember uh, WRBR. And yeah. Just Just Jazz with Ed Beach. Yes. Yep. I learned because he would do an artist uh, artist discography in chronological order. Right. I learned a lot of my jazz from listening to the radio. And the the problem nowadays with streaming, and I I find it because I do have some uh, uh, classes I, I I teach over at uh, ICE here on Fifteenth Street, and there's a, a like an improvisation class, jazz class, and a, a jazz band there. But I am working with uh, William Parker in the improvisation class, and these kids uh, are listening to something that they like or somebody told them, and they they're, they're listening to that one thing. They don't know who the personnel is, right? right? And, uh, it, it's, it's very confounding because there's no gatekeepers anymore. There's no logic to what the, uh, chronological thing is of, of the history of jazz, right, the history, right. the history of improvisation music itself, which came from jazz, which right. brought improvisation back into, uh, Western culture, right? Through the African American experience and, uh, New Orleans. And that, of course, came out to what we have today. And, uh, even all the European improvisers were influenced by American jazz and then how, you know, then the Anthony Braxton's and uh, Cecil Taylor's and then you had the Peter Brotsman's in Europe and, and even more different forms of improvisation. So most of the kids, uh, I would say 90% of the kids, I know, don't know that history, first mm-hmm. of all. And, and, and I don't know how you logically put that all together to find something for yourself. But somebody said something interest, interesting to me uh, just yesterday or a day before yesterday. He said, because uh, he was trying to teach some of, of his jazz kids, uh, you know, oh, you should listen to this. You should listen to that. You should listen. And the kids said, uh, it's like having a hamburger, right? You have one big, juicy hamburger and you're full. You don't want to go to have another hamburger. <laughs> so, I mean, I kind of get that. But I don't know if that speaks to like sort of a limited uh, attention span or a limited desire. I I, I don't know. 
Um, but it's interesting. They, they listen to one thing, they stream, and it's like, two, you know, it, it, it's a lot. It's a lot of information. It, it is in. a lot of information. Now, I have my Steve Swell Spotify <laughs> list here. Okay. okay. I've got Steve Swell Radio, David, on my phone. And yeah. this was curated for me, for my taste. So let me for see. You. Okay. Because okay. that's what Spotify does. They spy on us. Yeah. You know, we're all being spied on, right? Right, right. Okay, so the as first track. <laughs> we have Spasticity, okay, is the first track. Then we have Dr. O1 doc, from Dr. 3. Then we have 4, IV from MU Quintet. Blue Threads with Dickie Nat Woodley. Interlude. What do you think? Is this is this something Steve Swell would play on the radio? I, I spasticity. I think that's the Peter Brosman trio I was in. Okay. Paul Wilson Love. I think that's what that's from. The other one, you know, you got to be careful because there's there's other bands out there called Swells. Okay. Or other, and, so I those other titles I really didn't. Uh, but you know it also. I think I they see make other trumpet. bands in a similar vein. Right. That's yeah. what they do. Oh, uh, okay. Right. Okay. So this and is then, not Steve Swell yeah. in particular. But now but I have I, Love and Hate by Wynton Marsalis. So I, my feeling. Oh yes, these are real contemporary of Steve Swell. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Witten, they're about like this close. Oh, right, right, and um, he doesn't want to know me. Believe me. <laughs> I always say jazz has become a bad case of Wintonitis. We have uh, Matthew Ship. So, in other words, since there is no Steve Swell playlist, you get Steve Swell Radio, and that again, as David says, it's artists that are in the genre. If you like Steve Swell, you'd like. So and so. Right, right. Well, I, I'm, I, they got, there's a lot of stuff for me on Spotify. I know because yeah. I've been there and I've seen it. I right. mean, it could be some of those titles. I was, uh, a, a side man on somebody's sure. right. improvisation record and they mm-hmm. came up with titles that I don't recognize. I actually w- came up with that. Huh? When, when you actually mentioned WRVR and being able to hear the chronology, the unfortunate thing about, uh, internet radio, you're only allowed four songs by the artists. So it's great for a situation where we pick your four, your big songs, so to speak, right? Mm-hmm. And then we pick other things where you have been playing with other folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. and, and one other thing, I wanted to get back to the teaching for one thing. One thing Charles Gale said to me a number of years ago is that when he'd go into a school and play for the kids, he would not do anything but what he does. Mm-hmm. And the kids loved it yeah, yeah there was no preconceived nonsense they right, loved right, it right 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 and that goes to my point and, and i always mention this whenever we're interviewing people of the improvisatory nature that it's the most honest music mm-hmm. all yeah. you guys can play all styles of music and when we go back to the 60s you know oh, these guys can't play well, what happens is they, they can play, but they're compelled to do this. And I find that the most honest and sincere uh, yeah. form of music. Yeah, yeah. I'll get a high on soapbox now. If elected <laughs> a service, accommodated, I will not run. You got my vote, David. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Uh, I think people got... A little bit more. I mean, it's. I don't want to say it's improved because the classics are just the classics from back then. Archie Shep is mm-hmm. Roswell Rudd. Those years, Art Quartet, and with Archie, those are my. Those are the things that inspired me to play. Um, but uh, Charles is right. Sometimes it, it it makes the most sense just to go in when you go into a classroom, just play, 
I mean, if you're with a band, whatnot. Um, and it's it is tough. If you're doing a workshop, you've got that hour, hour and a half. It's limited time. I always feel pressure. I got to give them as much information as I possibly can, which is never enough. You know, yeah. um, when I do go and have like a residency for like a semester or, or, or a month or something, uh, I will uh, I, 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 I'm serious about the fundamentals of playing, but I'm also serious about teaching. And I do this with beginners, too. I do this with beginner recorder players. Uh, I think it's just as important to teach improvisation at the same time. Equal uh, improvisation and, uh, and, and, and a scale or, or the first four notes on a recorder, you're going to improvise with those first four notes the first day. I think that's very important. And I'll tell you why. I'll give you a little story. You may like this. You may have it in your notes already, Tom. I, I may. Know. I may. Yes, yeah, let me. Watch out for him. Page 55. I, well. well, I, I do work for the oh, FBI when I'm not around. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, that's... Anyway, moving on. Uh, when I first started trombone in New Jersey, and I, I grew up in Union, New Jersey, um, I was in fourth grade. I had a, a music teacher, the band teacher. There was maybe seven, eight of us in the band, different instruments. He played piano. This guy, Albert Schmidt, he was a dead ringer for Jimmy Durante. Okay. <laughs> he had the nose. He had the bow tie. Right. He go, ah, cha-cha. Well, they he, probably he got good do seats at restaurants. He if did. you look like Jimmy Durante, you probably yeah, right, could leverage right. that. Sure. Right. I mean, he didn't do a hot cha-cha, but I mean, he could have. He was very funny. <laughs> anyway, his thing, this is the first year I'm playing trombone. He would play the Batman thing on the piano. Batman. When we got to the Batman part, he said, play whatever you want. We went around the room. Everybody played whatever they wanted. Me being a trombone player, of course, I went, you know, genius, right? (laughs) So looking back on that years later, we did that, you know, regularly. Looking back on that, and he never said, okay, it's in B flat. You know, you're going to change in the second. It was short, two or four bars. Right. You know, never said anything about chords. Never said anything about picking a certain note or a tonal sense, nothing. And I realized years later that was a gift because that made me, as I was beginning to play and understand the instrument technically, I was also improvising and I wasn't afraid of it. Hmm. You know, it made me more comfortable when that eventually, you know, uh, improvise, improvising became more of a, a thing that I was uh, uh, being introduced to with other teachers. In, in, a, in a school jazz band or something. So I, I realized that was a gift. And I do it with everybody, you know, every kid. Because um, even now, you know, string players, I don't teach strings, but I mean, string players, they need to know that too if they're in some kind of modern uh, compositional uh, group of some kind, some chamber group. Uh, and I find a lot, of, a lot of, especially string players, are uncomfortable with that if they're coming just from a conservatory uh True. Still today, you know. we we had Gary Carr on the show twice, and Gary, the great classical <laughs> uh, player, insists that his students study jazz and improv, and and vice versa. Yeah. Says yeah. The jazz cats need to crack open, the, I guess, the Samambo books, right? Or <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we bass players have it. <laughs> Arbins, it's Arbins for brass players. Man. Oh, okay. That's that's well, I mean, there's other there's other ones too. That's the best. Well, Steve, you're, you're right on about that because for the recorder classes that 
you know, Empower Through Music teachers teach. He does 30 seconds every class through the entire thing. You've got 30 seconds, blow. Mm-hmm. And it's this great cacophony. Yeah. The teacher who's in the room is like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The smile on the kids' faces when it's over is there you worth go. There There's you go. nothing quite like it. And that's, that's the point. It. That's it. That's you see, you see, David, this is where we got tortured. You went, David went to Berkeley and I went to University oh. of Miami School of Music, but I didn't oh, major. No. I didn't major. I, I minored there. I didn't spend, I didn't okay. waste all my parents' money, but they, they, they did. <laughs> <laughs> but they would grade you on your solo, which I thought was kind of silly. I mean, the whole point of improvising, uh, you know, if you didn't do this, or you didn't play that scale or something like that. So, and it terrified yeah. a lot of students. Sure, sure. I, I think uh, the whole jazz education thing at the university level has gotten very weird. There are, I, I've done some stuff at University of Michigan and mm-hmm. uh, some other, uh, uh, University of Illinois and uh, Urbana. There are some uh, classes where, and unbelievably, I saw this a bunch of years ago at the University of Michigan. The guy's not there anymore, Ed Seraph. But they, they still continue the class. They come in uh, once or twice a week, like at 7 o'clock at night for two hours. He doesn't say anything. They just play. Mm-hmm. 20 kids, you know. And they, they, and, they, and he doesn't say, okay, start. It's just all like, you know, okay, the cello player just starts playing something and somebody else starts playing. I mean, it's just, it's just very organic. Now, that sounds like sort of counterintuitive. Do I want to be paying for my uh, son's or daughter's tuition and they're not teaching them anything. <laughs> but that's the thing that's really missing, mm-hmm. actually doing this, you know. And I think, and if you're going to play mainstream music also, all of that informs you and opens you up if you're going to stay, if you're going to be in that style of music, whatever right, style right. you go into. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, that's why Carl Berger's thing, May He Rest in Peace, uh, up in Woodstock, is such a phenomenal way to learn. But you, most of the people are already out of college by the time they do that. And, you know, right, it's, right. It's, right, yeah. Right. yeah, I was lucky. Uh, he, he did a year or two years maybe down here at the Old Stone uh, one night a week. And I was part of that. He was raising money for uh, a CMS Creative Music Studio. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I enjoyed playing. We did, he did sort of a little workshop before and then we played. It was kind of a large ensemble also. And, uh, it was very fun. It was fun. Yeah. Yeah. You need more of that. Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, get, well, getting on for music education, right? Or lack yeah. thereof. I mean, there are so <laughs> many sources now for musicians, um, yeah. especially on YouTube and, and digital media. Uh, your thoughts, because David and I, we see so many times teachers or so-called teachers teaching the wrong way or teaching shortcuts. One of the mm-hmm. things that really drives David and I crazy is when they talk about playing bass in shapes and patterns. And playing bass has got nothing to do with shapes and patterns. Oh, yeah, your hands may form a certain pattern or shape when you're playing something, but that's right. not what you aim for. You, you, it's about rhythm and harmony and things like that. What about in the trombone world? I don't see too many trombone tutorials on YouTube, but what are your thoughts in general thing. about that? That's, that's a, a very good thing. <laughs> what are your thoughts about that as opposed to formal studies? I, I don't like it. You mean just sitting there watching somebody right. show you how to play a, a B flat? Uh, right. No, I don't think it, you're missing something there. Mm. You're really missing something. 
You're really um, missing something if you're going on stage with somebody and you learn the tune in A, and the singer comes up and says, hey, can you do this in G flat? Right, right. You know, and right. you're dumbfounded. Well, yeah, we, yeah. we had Ron Carter on. One of the things he noted, he says, yeah, you might see my playing on YouTube and be very impressed with it, but you don't know how I got there. You just right, seen the exactly. result of it. So exactly, uh, exactly. And when you're with, if you're doing a, a private lesson with a particular student and you're uh, teaching them, you know, uh, you're really looking at that student as an individual who may have his own tone, his or her own sound, and this kind of things. As a, you don't want to mess with certain things. You right. know, if certain things are moving along naturally in a natural way. Uh, maybe they're finding some kind of pattern. Uh, I had one kid came in one time and did play this. We were improvising and we were sort of doing call and response. And I was just playing B flap, up, but up, 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 but up. And he was doing whole tone stuff over it. Right. I'm saying where, what, you know, and I just, you know, the, the point is, is that if, in addition to giving them information, also you don't want to, uh, stop them from finding things out for themselves mm. also if they're that motivated which you know hopefully they are you know so yeah yeah absolutely it, it, right by by you saying something like you say and i've had sex from uh, like alto i teach alto once in a while and the alto especially saxophone you, you can get like some very strange uh tones out of it right and uh and i don't mean squeaks or squawks just you know i play with jameel moondock a lot and he's sort of in the cracks tonally sort of mm-hmm. yeah you know, and uh, uh some other players play a little bit but it all makes sense and it's beautiful i don't want to ruin that saxophone player's tone where he's where he might be headed right you know if i if i see it's really going off the rails i'll, I'll try to I'll realign it somehow but you also got to be aware not to uh take something away from their natural uh, um, inclination to, to create. Right. Right. Yeah. I think that's why the, you know, on, on why you have to encourage them to listen to a lot of different things. So when you're talking about that full hamburger, I'll give you a personal example. I'm reading a bunch of Messian books right now. Uh, and so I go online to look up a particular tune, whether it's the um, quartet for the end of the world or, or what have you. All of a sudden, there's this guitarist from France, Noel, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, Achote. He's doing the messy things on guitar. So I'm looking down at his stuff, and I go, oh, this looks cool. Then he's doing Bach. Then he's got a piece with Mary um, Halverson. Then you go to Mary Halverson. You go, oh, wow, Anthony Braxton. Then you go, Muhal. Do you know what I mean? There's, there's that. For me, yeah. the hamburger is never enough. Right, you know? right. Well, I, you got I, to... I, I, yeah, no, no. I, I agree. I do the same thing, and then I, you know, then I, then I don't practice it all morning because I'm going to like that's interesting. I want to check that out, and then oh well, he's not, then I want to check that out. But I think the problem with uh, is we didn't grow up with all this. We're just inundated with information yeah. on the internet. It's ridiculous. I mean, not just music. I mean, it's everything, news and everything. And so I think what these young kids have been growing up with this, and it's a lot. It's just, yeah. it's just, and so they, they, they experience this, this overload that they, they don't know how. I think it's mostly they don't know how to handle it. Mm. And we're not doing a good job of teaching, teaching them how to, how to deal with it. I mean, not just musically, just in general. 
Well, yeah. sure. I, I mean, there, there are um, articles by people who create the software who won't let their kids use it. Yes, that's right. <laughs> that tells you a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, it says a lot. Exactly. Yeah. Well, on that thread, let's talk about the other elephant in the room, artificial intelligence. Now, um, I see some of the benefits of it. I think it's great that you can, well, what what uh, Paul and Ringo are doing, they're making a new Beatles song out of artificial intelligence. I don't see any problem with that. David and I, you know, as we expand our radio show to syndicators, uh, we use chat GPT to help write our pitch letters. Now, it's a pretty doggone good pitch letter to begin with. And chat GPT makes it even better. Um, you know, now other people see AI as a replacement for a real person playing an instrument. Now, you know, we could go back to 1932 when the electric guitar came out. Wasn't that AI? Because it wasn't a, a guitar that people were used to, an acoustic guitar with a, a hollow body. Um, certainly the DX7 was artificial intelligence in 1980. You can even argue that the electric bass in 51 was artificial intelligence. So your thoughts on this? Just techno- the people playing it. Just the people. Play- <laughs> <laughs> um, reflections on artificial intelligence in the music world is, it, you know, good, bad, or indifferent? Well, First of all, those examples that you just gave, there was always a human behind it. Right. Okay. Um, now, as far as AI goes, I have totally still don't completely understand it. Right. I don't I think we're supposed to. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and I haven't gone to uh, any chat GPT mm. and uh, chat AI or whatever it is. I, don't, I haven't gone to any of those sites mm. to, to fool around with it. Yeah. Um, just on a general dystopian science fiction level um i think and i think this is bad because from what i understand uh ai is only as good as the information you put into it am i right about that i would yeah okay so um being somebody a little bit you would say on the fringes i don't think i mean i don't know how much information of People I know who played, how much Charles Gale is getting in there. Maybe Charles Gale, something like that, might get, might music might get in there. Mm. But I'm still, I mean, I'm, I would rather hear a human play in, in a club or in a concert hall. Um, but I, I, I think we're moving towards some other level of stuff where, I mean, even robots, you know, who have the information of how to play jazz or how to play whatever. Maybe it works better for classical music. I, I don't know how much better can you uh, get than, than some of the great, uh, yeah, you know, uh, what's his name, uh, Gold, the, uh, you know, the guy who did the Bach stuff, the piano player. Oh yes, Gold for variations. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What's uh, his name? <laughs> oh gosh. I have them. Well, you know, I, I had yeah. the experience in in the late 1980s of being in the studio with um, <clears throat> Public Enemy. Right, the mm-hmm. the uh, rap group. I don't think the word hip hop was uh, used back then, and they were taking a James Brown uh, drum beat, and you know maybe a Paul Chambers bass line, or probably a Ron Carter bass line, you know, and 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 a you know Nicky Hopkins melody line, whoever, and 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 they were putting it together, and these guys they spoke the language of musicians. They just weren't using woodwinds and stringed instruments. They were just saying, mm-hmm. let's put this beat there, let's put that beat there, and then they'd alter the pitch. So in a sense, there were humans behind it. They were manipulating 
the sound, which is what all instruments are. I mean, could we argue that, you know, Keith Richards, you know, played Chuck Berry riffs on Rolling Stone songs, still does. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's always been there. I think, I still think with AI, yes, there is a human element to it. It just, you know, it's just that, you know, technology is the bridge between that, just like when David plugs in his electric six string bass. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm going to the <laughs> extreme. Right. Uh, you know, I'd rather hear David play six string bass than, right. than a. Oh, well, you haven't heard me yet. <laughs> that, that's true. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just, by your earrings, I could tell you're really good. Yes. Yeah. That's the earrings. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I'm 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 not there. I, I'm yeah, still okay. like the human. But what's unfortunate is that you're not even going to know it's, if it's a human or not. You know, well, you know, it's very that place also. It, it's very Perhaps funny. We, are, we already don't know. I'm going to out David. We already don't know David, and uh, along with two other friends of mine who are not AI friendly or not or a little AI resistant, sent me this article by Brian Eno saying, no, we don't want to lose the humanity in music. And it was, I think you found it on Flipboard. I, I forget where my friends Correct. found it on Pitchfork or something. And I saw the article and I went, I read this article six years ago and it was just AI'd and sent out. So here is a, an article of Brian Eno talking anti-AI before the word AI even came into existence from six years ago. And it's circulating around the world on Flipboard and other platforms, just like, you know, what's the saying? Um, what is it? A, a truth... Uh, a lie goes halfway around the world before truth gets its boots on. So there's, uh, you know, condemning AI on an AI platform that was generated by him. So yeah. I'd be curious to hear some AI improv. You know, how well, if you go, you know, George Lewis, the trombone player. Mm-hmm. That's right. Right. Okay. He's got that uh, Voyager uh, software. Right, that's he, true. He he interact. He, I mean, he he'll the, the he'll use a piano hooked up to the software, and he'll improvise, and the piano will improvise with him. You know, I mean, there, there's there's interaction. Right. There. So that's 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 it's kind of you know like we you were saying it's already here. Mm. You know, in some ways, and uh, even some. Well, of you know when you no no when you mentioned that. You yeah. think about Columbia University, Charles Warren, all the way back in the 50s with um, computer music, the RCA studio with that gigantic. So it, it, it probably was there. It's, I don't know. It, it, I, I think for me, you know, at 70 years old, spending 67 of those years practicing musical instruments, it's difficult for me to, uh, get my handle on someone going click, 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 and all that hard work goes poof. Well, that's not, yeah, that's a a strange way of looking at it. I mean, you know, look at, look at, you know, 18 year old Keith taking, you know, um, Chuck Berry's riffs. I mean, you know, we're going to say, well, gee, Chuck put all that work into it. Look what you did. And then he made it into something else. So, you know. Yeah. I, I know what you're saying though, David. And I, I had, I have real bias against, uh, you know, when a laptop, people when they do whatever some improvisation with that uh but i i have eventually gotten over it because i i learned just a little bit more how certain really the good ones really do it and put it together mm. and i have an appreciation of that and 
so I don't know if I'll have an appreciation of AI if it gets around to a certain level of something. I I don't know, but it, it's all it's all it's all difficult. I mean, you know, we're all a little old school. By the way, you look great for seventy. Man. Yes, he does. Thank you. It? It's the earrings. Thank you. It's the earrings. <laughs> <always>. <laughs> Well, they, 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 they actually have some sort of chemical in them that it's just. <laughs> oh, okay. All right, all right. As does David. Right. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you go. There so it is, I, right? I, I don't know what, I don't know what the answer is. I mean, I personally, for me, I like the challenge uh, of getting different sounds out of my instrument that are not traditional uh, mm. things and you know, different uh, uh, things in the cracks, different uh, alternate techniques. I'm always looking for different things. I have a whole slew of things that I already do, but I'm s- still finding more like when you're in that situation and you're improvising and I find this a little bit of this maybe, oh wow, I, I got to see how I can use that. I'm still always searching for stuff like that. So that's, that's a good thing. Now, I don't know how AI works if... Uh, they go and have that or will have that creative ability to go find some new sound that they could use, you know, or, or is it all limited? I, I don't know. Right. And again, that, that depends on the information that they're given. So. But I'm so glad you mentioned uh, all the stuff that you're trying to do because just recently, I think it was the last <clears throat> week, I saw a YouTube video where you were banging your trombone with, Things like, we lost him. He's getting props. David's getting props. Right, 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 right. Oh, yeah. All right. And and it was fascinating, and it sounded great. So before you get into discussing that, do do you know that some of these have, you can purchase them from a, a percussion place, have, it's almost like a rosin on it, Mm-hmm. So when you oh, mm-hmm. ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. at different sizes. Mm-hmm. All right. For our audience, for our audience member, it is a device that looks like a lollipop. Hold it up, David. Yeah. It's not a mallet. What is um, that? Uh, well, I, I got it at a percussion site because uh, I saw somebody doing this with some metal uh, objects. <laughs> and I said, isn't that a cool thing to do? So when you first started hammering on you on your trombone. I went, wow, that's great. We gotta have him on the air so I can tell him he can get these and they can <laughs> that's, the, that's the only reason? All right. <laughs> that's All right. it. That's it, really. You know I'm gonna I'm I can gonna get fifteen percent. So you know, yeah, like, no, 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 David no, owns the company. No yes. problem. It's worth it. No, that's great. Uh I realize now spasticity is actually from my latest solo record. Okay. On uh, on relative pitch. But in lieu of that kind of sound that you're talking about, David there's also another track on there. First of all, the CD is called Ophirina P. Espiat. She's a, uh, a poet that I really like. Anyway, okay. if you go to my band camp, you'll see it on there and you can read right. about it. Ophirina E. Es- but, right, there it but, is. You have it? There it is. Oh, yeah, that's it. That's it. Okay. Uh, there's also another track on there called Rubber Gloves. Now, I use yes. rubber gloves on the uh, bell part of the trombone while I'm playing. Uh-huh. And it worked. It worked. I think it's actually my favorite track on the record. Yeah. And it worked beautifully. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Right. And it's the same thing. That's the thing you can't get with AI. You can't have, you know, sure you although can. you could probably find them synthesized. 
but then it sounds like an elephant in heat, so I don't know. That might yeah, not yeah. Be so good. But it, where I took it like a, a, a <laughs> you know, a dishwashing gloves. My so my my girlfriend said, "Where's where's the dishwashing?" So anyway, so and I wet like you know, just a couple of the fingers on it, like mostly the thumb, and I would uh-huh. up and down over here on the belt, and uh, it worked. Worked really good. It's kind of like when Ed Sullivan had the glass people, right? Yes, the yeah, right. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Cool stuff, though. Yeah, yeah. No, that one worked really, really good. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, so Steve, for your uh, for our Steve Swell playlist on our show, what uh, Rubber Glove will certainly kick off with that one. What other tracks would you like yeah. us to play for our audience? Well, if you go to my SoundCloud sampler, yes, just Google my name, SoundCloud sampler. It'll it's uh, my sampler will come up, and it's got a variety of stuff. Anything in it's particular? Got- well, the first thing that comes up uh, from a record I'm really happy with, with uh, Gerald Cleaver, William Parker, Jamil Moondock, and Dave Burrell called Soul Travelers. Okay. And that's the first one. And then there's okay. other ones. There's a, there's a track of uh, Hemline. That I, and they, these are like sort of more free boppy mm-hmm. kind of things. The closest thing I'll get to straight ahead. Hemline I did with uh, uh, Philip Johnston. Uh, like 1990 or something. And then there's a couple of uh, free improvs. There's a, also an excerpt from a Peter Bratzman, uh trio gig I, I, we did together with Paul Nelson. Okay. And uh, I think that, I think it's live in Copenhagen. It's okay. Like, but they're all like, there's like about 10 or 12 tracks on there. All right, great. Uh, it brings up an interesting question. Why do you think free music is so much more popular in Europe than in America? That's hard to say. Um, the more that I'm involved on both sides of the Atlantic with it, uh, that's, that's real, it's really hard to say. I, Cause I almost want to say, I think it's just as popular here. Mm. Like I was saying before, there's, there's audiences for that. Right. I think what happens over there is there isn't this, uh, um, one of the first festivals I ever went to in Switzerland, Villasau. Um, it was a jazz, it was a music festival, it was a, but I was there to play with, a uh, Herb Robertson, I think, or Hank Roberts. And it was like knitting factory type jazz, but they had like a, a traditional, uh, clarinet chamber, uh, group for clarinets playing sort of classical music. And then there was David Murray played, a, played in a group. Uh, there was just a lot of variety. Somehow, I think they're more used to variety and more open to it. Here, it's gotten much, much worse than it ever was, I think. Yeah, those guys in the 60s say you can't play. But as the 70s rolled along, I mean, when I was running around New York, I'd go hear Dizzy Gillespie. I'd go hear Cecil Taylor. I'd go hear Chet Baker. I'd go hear whatever... (laughs) Well, the free players that were that were around that I that I heard. Yeah, that was um, that was the culture too. I mean, I know yeah. as a, uh, growing up in the seventies, you know, we we didn't have Tinder or or um, TikTok <laughs> or or Pinterest or YouTube, so yeah. we would go out and hear live music, and you know, it was no big deal to hear "Asleep at the Wheel" the Ramones and "Return to Forever" in the same week. It was just yeah. good yeah. good music. He didn't care. Yeah. 
And I, I, now by God, yeah. you go from CBGB's up the block. There's the Tin Palace, right? Yeah. There you go. There you go. <laughs> you know? There you go. And I think the CBGB's is a bank now. It's uh, John Vervedos. They, they, oh, well, it, it, it technically is a, a it bank. It is a bank. Yes, we don't take David there because he'll buy everything yeah. and then we'll be broke. Uh, <laughs> but also, I think yeah. David, you have to take into consideration that the media companies now are owned. Media companies own the, the companies that put out pop music. I mean, everything's, you know, NBC Universal now. So you're not going to see Steve Swell doing a promo of the news. Uh, you're not going to see Jimmy Fallon have Steve Swell on. <laughs> He'll have the Stones on because the Stones are owned by NBC Universal and Jimmy Fallon is NBC TV or CBS right. or whatever it is, you know. So, right. The corporate sponsorship wars back in the day when you had public television when we only had like three networks two local stations and a pbs right yeah you could see cecil taylor or bill evans or someone like that and it wasn't there to promote a new record it was just them performing you had masterpiece theater you had things like that now everything has a price tag on it so you're not going to see experimental music you're going to see rihanna i don't think steve they haven't asked you to do halftime at the super bowl yet so no uh, not yet I, I don't. I don't have the white, the right wardrobe. For you don't right. You don't have the dancing sperm like Riri. No, 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 so no. <laughs> anyway, no, that, yeah, yeah. But, but you know, at at the same time, uh, I've always said that uh, the one thing that the avant garde needed years ago was a David Lee Roth. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know well, what I mean? Yeah. No. There's an interesting story. At one point. Uh, the, the Cecil Taylor trio, which had uh, Jock, uh, Jackson Krull and Albie Bogotian. I don't know if you know the, any of those names. From Boston. Al, huh? huh? Albie was from Boston, right? The bass manufacturer, right? Yeah, he, he was like a luthier, right? Yeah, exactly. And and he was, uh, he know he knew, uh, I don't know the Rolling Stones. It was a Ron Wood or is he sure. the guy that died? I don't know. He he was working uh, w- with the Rolling Stones bass player, working okay, on his stuff, okay. and, and playing with Cecil Taylor, right? So uh, there, at one point, long story short, Cecil, uh, the Rolling Stones wanted Cecil Taylor to open for them. This is a true story. So mm. I'm not making this up. And the problem was, and Cecil was all in on it, great, unbelievable exposure, right? Could have been sure. a whole thing. And this is like, you know, not even 20 years ago, maybe 10, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but there was one problem. Mick Jagger wanted to sit in with Cecil Taylor for like the last five or 10 minutes or something. <laughs> and Cecil Taylor, after that was proposed, Cecil Taylor stopped answering his phone from the manager <laughs> of Rolling Stone. So, so it didn't happen. Well, Obviously. you know, that, that's, that's not so far afield because uh back in the early 70s uh the stones had ike and tina turner open for them right and King and- they had living color open from they always had an, an eye and an ear out for something yeah, yeah. and so that doesn't seem as as odd as it would seem and it's unfortunate that he didn't go for it uh it's really interesting to see that's look what Bill Graham, no. look what Bill Graham did at the at the Fillmore, right? I mean, you had mm-hmm. jazz and rock artists. Um, oh, of course, oh, yeah. Bill. So it, yeah, it yeah, wasn't yeah. that unusual, you know. No, Steve no, Miller but, Band and yeah. Miles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. It's just not 
what it is today at all. It's just so completely different. Right. And right. Even, even in jazz circles, this is, you know, it's, Right. Well, it's also interesting that so much of New York's jazz scene is in Brooklyn right now. Some of the more experimental places. I mean, you see my eyes. You see my eyes rolling. Right now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you don't agree? Yeah, there's a yeah, uh, yeah. There's a, only because people can't afford to live in Manhattan. Yeah, well, they can't afford to live in Brooklyn okay. now, too. Yeah. Well, well I tell you, Steve, either. on um, I think it's November eighth or November tenth. Tom and I are doing our first, and it's just down the street from you, actually. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, November, I think it's November, it's, it's, I think it's the 8th. Yeah. Uh, no, the 10th, October, November 10th. Okay. Uh, you know the uh, place all the way down by the river, Otto Shrunken Head? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We are turning it in, we're curating an avant-garde night once a month. Oh, wow. Matt Lavelle's oh, going to do it. Daniel okay. Carter's going to do it with me. Oh, beautiful. Uh, you're more than welcome. I'll, I'll, I'll let Is you know. We're going to try and bring something back into the the city for yeah. that. Uh, I'll I, let you I know. Mean, yeah, I mean, there are things going on in the city, of course, but that, yeah. any addition is amazing. But as far as Brooklyn goes, yeah, and, and I think it's even changed. I, I think it's kind of at the beginning, you had places like Zebulon. You remember, right, right, right. Brooklyn, right, came into its own right, right in the nineties yeah. and the double zeros. Yeah. Now it's gone the way of Manhattan, it, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, and it's like uh, the, the, there's a series at Main Drag, which is like on South First. Yeah, I'm playing there with Daniel Carter on the eighth. Oh, beautiful, man! Beautiful. And beautiful. Uh, there's also roulette. Roulette's now in Brooklyn. Oh, of course, of course. Oh, yeah. No, roulette's been there for a while. No, roulette is is great. Um, I'm trying to think what else. I mean, I don't know what Barbs. else. What is it? Oh, Barbas? Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, so what, what's the place that Tim Byrne plays, Tom? What's Lowlands? Lowlands. Right? Lowlands. Oh, Lowlands, right. He told me about that. He plays there regularly, he said. Yeah. Like every Tuesday night. Every Thursday. Every Thursday, okay. Yeah, so the, uh, there are places, and I and I think that's good. The more places, the better. I mean, it's it's kind of weird that – I. I I don't see it as a Brooklyn scene, like mm-hmm. you know, like in the late '80s, early '90s, the uh, knitting factory scene. That was a scene. Yes, I mean, yeah, you know, that was right. Everybody, I mean, to me, that was the last scene. You know, tonic was okay, but not like I mean, everybody would come out and hang out, even if they weren't playing. Yeah, and that's another thing you really don't see all that much. Right. People, right. Come, exactly. people come to, to do their gig. They don't come to see the set before or the set after and whatnot. Right. I mean, I'm I'm going to I'm playing a gig tonight as part of the Rhythm in the Kitchen Festival. And I'm curious who's playing before me and who's playing after me. I'm gonna stay for, you know, not just my set, but you know. Right. I mean, I'm, right. it's not my band, but so you know. yeah. Right. And the knitting factory had their own label as well. I mean, so they did. They did. Know. Yeah. So. And now they just bought Pyramid, and they turned Did it they into really? a rock and roll club. Yeah, it's called Baker Falls. Oh, really? Yeah. All right. But um, you know, the the original uh, knitting factory on Houston was such a great place. It was amazing. It really was amazing. And it was a bar. I think it's called Milano's. Was uh, a couple of doors down. Right. The musicians. Right. The musicians weren't in the knitting factory hangout. They were hanging out at that bar, which was really 
old school, like <laughs> crazy bar, but it, it was great. It was great. Yeah. I mean, I don't hang out in bars anymore, but you know, back no. then. <laughs> Neither do I you. can't. It's too long a drive up to Connecticut if I drink too much. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And we have totally. to keep we have to keep up your your good looks, your youthful good looks. <laughs> that's yeah. that's my David, sense. David has to get his beauty sleep. All right, Steve. Well, thank you for being a guest, sir. Um, okay. We'll let you know when this goes out, when this is broadcast, and of course you're on our podcast on Apple, Amazon, Buzzsprout, and Spotify, okay. your favorite platform to listen to music. Spotify, <laughs> everybody else. And, I, I love uh, contributing. Yes, yeah. and um, yeah, we got your playlist. We'll go to your SoundCloud. We'll get the uh, okay. We'll pull the Beautiful. tracks. Make sure, on. yeah, make sure it's the samplers. Those are the okay. All right, we'll do. Anything else, David? No, it's great to meet you. All right. Have a great gig tonight, Steve. We'll see you. Well, David, that was a swell conversation with Steve Swell, wouldn't you say? I'm all swelled up. (laughs) All swell that ends well. (laughs) Well, to our audience member, thanks for listening. To our other audience members, please check us out on our podcast, which is invariably found on Amazon, Apple, Buzzsprout, and Spotify. You can also check us out in real time, www.cygnusradio.com. And do go to our website, www.notesfromanartist.com to find out all of our latest musing. We have some great episodes coming up. And as you heard in the intro, we got some we got weather report. We've got a couple of other good authors coming up. So let's not divulge too much, David. That, that's fine. But you know, I just had another thought. If any of you listeners out there have someone that you'd like to hear interviewed, send interviewed. us a note. Send us a note. You know, maybe we can. As a matter of fact, uh, we'd like to hear from you. Please, accost us on the street if you if you know. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again next week. Notes from an artist. Say goodnight, David. Good night, David. Bye-bye. I'm looking forward to the, the new venue, too. Yes. Absolutely. Take care yeah. now. Well, David, that was a swell conversation with Steve Swell, wouldn't you say? I'm all swelled up. <laughs> all swell that ends well <laughs> well to our audience member thanks for listening to our other audience members please check us out on our podcast which is invariably found on amazon apple buzzsprout and spotify you can also check us out in real time www.cygnusradio.com and do go to our website www.notesfromanartist.com to find out all of our latest musing. We have some great episodes coming up. And as you heard in the intro, we got some we got weather report. We've got a couple of other good authors coming up. So let's not divulge too much, David. That's fine. But you know, I just had another thought. If any of you listeners out there have someone that you'd like to hear interviewed, send interviewed. us a note. Send us a note. You know, maybe we can. As a matter of fact, uh, we'd like to hear from you. Cost us on the street if you if you know. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again next week. Notes from an artist. Say good night, David. Good night, David. Good night, David.